like to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 24. We are skipping around again quite a bit tonight. We're really covering chapters 24 through 29 in our study in Proverbs. But um, as we've made mention the last couple of times we've been together, the latter half of the book of Proverbs uh, are, is quite filled with uh, these one and two verse and three verse Proverbs. So um, a little more difficult to do a verse by verse study, a little outside the scope of these lessons. So what we've done is um, really just uh, looked at um, some themes that run through the particular chapters, and that's what we'll do again tonight. Um, we'll, we're winding down our, our study in the book of Proverbs, and um, so we get to chapters 30 and 31, probably one or two more lessons in the study. Uh, I want to spend some time um, in chapter 31 looking at the virtuous woman. Um, so much uh, there about that, so We'll have one or two more lessons, and then we'll be concluding our study in Proverbs. But tonight what we want to look at is, like I mentioned, from chapters 24 through 29. And in these chapters, there are some similarities um, that are mentioned. And, of course, there are distinctions as well. Um, we'll see these similarities. Um, many times they are um, marked by the word like. And so when you see that, you can, you can see that the, the proverb writer here is, is drawing a similarity. And so we'll see that as we go through. And then, of course, the distinctions will be, will be evident as well. Um, there'll be a contrast that's drawn between uh, two different things um, and the distinction that's there. So we'll look at some similarities and distinctions as we go through these, these uh, chapters here, chapters 24 through 29. So I want to start off uh, this evening uh, talking about the treatment of neighbors. This has kind of come up in um, our previous studies from time to time, but we see it again here in these chapters, and so I thought this would be a good thing for us to consider. First here in chapter 24, uh, verses 28 and 29, it says, Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, thus I shall do to him, as he has done to me, I will render to the man according to his work. And so, we see in this one uh, some very clear teaching, very simple teaching, um, about how we are to treat our neighbor. It says there, do not witness against your neighbor without cause. That logic is filled uh, in scripture, it's throughout scripture. Um, bringing something against someone without cause. Think about how our Lord was treated, the ultimate example of bringing something against someone without cause. So the proverb writer here uh, is warning um, against that. Um, and I thought about uh, this idea. Uh, it says, do not say thus how shall give to him according to he has done. I, I read in that this, this meeting out of vengeance. You know, taking the, taking the law in your own hands, if you will. And I'm reminded of Romans 12 and verse 19, where Paul says, there, never take your own vengeance, uh, but leave room for the vengeance of God. So this idea of uh, uh, taking your own vengeance, of course, it's not a good idea. Uh, leave that to God. Um, 
leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, so count on that. Uh, another thing uh, here in the treatment of neighbors, in chapter 25, verses 8 through 10, says, Do not go out hastily to argue your case. Otherwise, what will you do in the end when your neighbor humiliates you? Argue your case with your neighbor and do not reveal the secret of another. Or he who hears it will be reproached to you and the evil report about you will not pass away. I think about this in, in the word hastily there jumps out. How many times is, is uh, arguments escalated to a point that they should have never been? Mainly because someone acted hastily. Um, do not go and hastily argue your case. Um, and I like the idea here where it says there, and do not reveal the secret of another. Um, how often do we air our dirty laundry in public? Um, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I've heard even preachers uh, come to the pulpit um, and air out things that, that really should not be in a public arena. So those things need to be dealt with accordingly. If you have something that you need to deal with with your neighbor, go to him. Not in the middle of the city square, but go into his home. You know, meet him somewhere where you can um, talk about these things in a private manner. I'm also reminded of how our Lord talks about this in Matthew 18, where it says if someone sinned against you, go to that person uh, privately and talk to them. You know, if they won't hear you, you take some more people with you. Um, and if you won't hear them, you take it to the church. You know, there's a progression of how you deal with these things. You just don't start off out in the public square, but handle it privately to begin with. So I think that's um, implicit in what's being said here in this proverb. In 25 and verse 17, let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or he will become weary of you and hate you. This is that, uh, that idea of uh, wearing out your welcome. Um, so there's some wisdom here about, you know, uh, don't overstay your welcome in a, in a neighbor's house. Uh, and the idea of um, giving them their privacy and, and, and those kind of ideas. Don't, don't burden your neighbor with your presence in their house all the time. Don't wear out your welcome. Treat neighbors with respect and decency, and that's really more about what's in verse 18 there of chapter 25. Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. You know, uh, the, the, the neighbor doesn't need to encounter this. Um, the, the club and the sword and the sharp arrow by bearing false witness against him. Just like we talked about from the beginning there. Um, it's such a, a dangerous thing to engage in when you bear false witness against your neighbor. And it's, it's like physically beating them up, if you will. So they deserve um, respect and decency. Um, that's the way they need to be treated. All throughout scripture, this is so, all the way down to the Good Samaritan, when it talks about how the neighbor is treated in that. Also, uh, throughout the, the chapters here, there's some mentions about uh, the treatment of friends. This comes up quite a bit, uh, not only here in this passage, but in others. Um, but here in chapter 27, verse 5, better is open rebuke 
um, than love that is concealed. And I wanted to kind of put this in, in uh, bring this up as well with this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You probably heard that one before. That's probably one that you might have around somewhere or have in the back of your mind about faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, beware of flattery. Um, the wounds of a friend, um, you know, that might be someone rebuking you when you need to be rebuked. And that's okay. And better is the open rebuke than love that is concealed. Kind of ties into that as well in that, um, you know, if someone needs to be rebuked, then do it. Um, and also in that, then love that is concealed, don't hold back your love for your friend either. That needs to be um, out there in the open as well. Um, express that. Love that needs to be expressed in our friendships. And I think we, we probably don't do that as, well, as much as we should, or as well as we should. Especially among guys, right? Uh, you know, that's, that's one of those things we don't talk about. It's hard for us to say, I love you, brother. But that's something that we should, should, should get better at. Along these lines also, oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. So, at first blush, this might seem like a contradiction. Well, it says there, oil and perfume make the heart glad. So this sounds like flattering speech that you might um, give to your friend. But really, um, it's, it's a little more subtle than that. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Your counsel is what needs to come through. Whether that counsel is expression of love for your friend, then that's fine. But if that counsel is also uh, a rebuke, then that needs to be taken in, uh, as well. And that needs to be taken, it needs to be given in the right manner, and it needs to be taken in the right manner. Who else can you rely on um, and really trust than your brother in Christ to rebuke you? When you're in error, your brother is your friend if he comes to you and tells you you're in error in the right way, in a loving manner. But um, sometimes I think we shy away from that. But the counsel of a man's friend um, is a good thing. It says it makes the heart glad. It may be difficult to take at first, but in the long run, um, it's going to be beneficial to you. In uh, the first part of verse 10, here in chapter 27, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Um, I think too, too often we're, we're ready just to cut someone out of our life. Um, if they do something against us or to offend us, um, we're ready to cut them out of, out of our life. But, you know, we need to be loyal to the friends that we have. I, I make this mention of this before probably about how many friends can you count on your hands, you know. Uh, if you can count um, your good friends on one hand, you're probably doing pretty well. If you can count them on two hands, you're doing really well. Um, but friends need to be, um, we need to be loyal to them and, and show them the love, um, show them rebuke and, and counsel when they need it. But these are things that friends do with each other. And sometimes it's really hard to, to engage in all of that. 
chapter 27, verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. Took me a little bit of time to get my mind around that. And I kind of think what's being said here is, um, you know, we, we can, this goes back to that first part about beware of flattery. You know, we, we can't overdo it. Um, if you're blessing your friend with a loud voice early in the morning, you're kind of calling attention to, to all, all of this. And I think what, the, what Solomon is saying here is that, you know, do this discreetly. Do this in the right manner. If you're doing it to be seen by men in the town square, then your motive's probably not right. Um, it will be reckoned as a curse to him. And it also might bring upon him, uh, you know, hey, what's that guy? Why is he being blessed? Why is this guy so loudly calling his praises? And you know that, the old adage there about the, the nail that sticks up the highest gets hammered down first. Um, that might call attention to someone and, and others might start to question that. So you know, do these things subtly and in the right way. Um, so the proper treatment of a friend here. I want to talk a little bit about strife. Um, scripture tells us a lot about, be, uh, uh, warns us a lot about those who would cause strife. So here, in, in a few instances here in our, in our section, in chapter 26 and verse 17, like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. Don't you just love that? You think about um, taking a dog by the ears, you know, dogs don't really like that, <laughs> especially if, you don't know, if he doesn't know you, right? Which is, which is the picture that we've got here, someone walking by and, uh, and grabbing a dog by the ears. You're, you're kind of asking for trouble. Um, there's strife that's not belonging to him. This is, this is such a clear picture in this, is that you just come by and, and meddle in someone else's affairs, you know, you might get bit. Um, and so beware of that. Don't, don't go sticking your nose in other people's business. It doesn't belong. Um, verse 21 of chapter 26, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. You know, uh, those who like to stir up strife, look for ways to stir up strife, don't they? Um, the, the simile here, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to a fire, that's just fueling the fire, isn't it? Just, just piling on more so that fire can just continue to burn. And people who sow strife um, are like that. They're looking for those opportunities. And when they come along, grab the dog by the ears, um, and throw wood on that fire. But here's the warnings about that. Um, a contentious man will do that. They look for ways, look for opportunities uh, to keep strife going. Here's another one. An arrogant man stirs up strife. Chapter 28, verse 25. An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Um, 
Let me go ahead and, and put this one up there as well. From chapter 29, verse 22, an angry man stirs up strife. So here we have an arrogant man or an angry man that stirs up strife. And verse 22 says, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. So you, we've seen these kind of people. Um, arrogant, angry. These are the kind of people that like to keep these fires burning. Um, looking for ways, they, they stick their nose in, in the business of, of others and keep these fires going. But look what it says there in, in verse 25 of chapter 28. But he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. This goes back to, to letting the Lord deal with those things. Let the Lord deal with the contentious person, the contentious man. Uh, don't take your own vengeance against them. Leave room for, for God's wrath. Now, we have a responsibility to the church um, about marking such, such a person. Uh, in Titus 3 and verse 10, it says there to reject a factious man after a first and second warning. And there's other, many other scriptures in the New Testament that talk about how we are to deal with those who want to cause strife. And basically, those men need to be marked. Uh, they need to be confronted, and if they won't change, um, then they need to be rejected. If they're still factious, if they're still causing trouble, then they need to be um, rejected. All those things need to happen. Um, but we don't take vengeance against them. We leave room for God's vengeance and all of that. We do what we're supposed to do, but we leave room for God, God's vengeance in the final analysis. So there's strife, um, it's all too present. Um, if you've been in any other churches around, and, and sadly, over the years, you've probably come in contact with, with those who would stir up strife. Along the lines here, we've, we've been talking about this, especially when it comes to friends, this flattery and rebuke, um, kind of two sides of the same coin here. There's several passages here that talk about this. In chapter 24, verses 23 through 26, it says, These also are saying of the wise, to show partiality and judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, peoples will curse him, nations will abhor him. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. He kisses the lips who gives the right answer. In all this we see... Um, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous. Um, and it says that peoples will curse him and nations will abhor him. We see this on the political scale, don't we? Um, those who practice evil, those who are um, bending the law, breaking the law, and then they are somehow called out in public as, as righteous or, or doing the right thing. Um, you know, that's... Those people are to be abhorred. If you're, if you're um, practicing wickedness, it needs to be called out. And this is what it says here. But to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight. Again, what we've mentioned, those who are practicing uh, error, they need to be called on it. And there's going to be heartache and pain and, and those kind of things that go along with it. Um, but it says there, there will be delight. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And man wants to, wants to gray those lines, wants to muddy up the waters. Um, God sees it very clearly. 
and a good blessing will come upon them. Um, it reminds me of, uh, of Isaiah 5, verse 20, where he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You know, and I think we see that um, so much in our society right now. Um, those who are getting away with, with things they shouldn't be getting away with, and it seems that the, we're, we're turned on our head, calling good evil and evil good. In chapter 28, verse 23, uh, it says, He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. Rebuke's not an easy thing. Um, it's difficult. It's hard to rebuke a brother or a sister in Christ. Um, when they're in error and you have to go to them and, and tell them so and, and rebuke them for it, it's, it's a tough thing. Um, but it says here, afterward they'll find more favor. Then he who flatters with the tongue, if you're just glossing over things, um, flattery, here again, there's that, uh, beware of flattery. It's not doing anybody any good. If they're, if they're in error, they need to be pointed out and just glossing over it um, in the long run is going to be detrimental to them. In chapter 26 and, and verse 28, a lying tongue hates those it crushes and a flattering mouth works ruin. Here, here again is the, 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 the beware of, fl uh, of flattery. Um, have to be careful of that. A lying tongue hates those it crushes. You know, if you're in the in the in the business of lying, you don't really care about those who are going to um, get caught up in your wake. That's just part of it. Um, and a flattering mouth works ruin. You have to be careful of those who are are flattering you all the time. They may have something else up their sleeve. In chapter 29 and verse 5, uh, here's another uh, about, about the neighbor. A man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. And I, I like the way that that is worded. And, um, and the idea here that if someone's flattering you, they might be setting a trap for you. That's what I get out of that. Um, if, he, if you're flattering someone, you're, you're, you're leading them on, you, know, you might be setting a trap for them. And if someone's doing that to you, you need to be very, very careful. Someone who's with flattering speech, coming to you with those kind of things, you might be setting a trap for you. There's so much more um, in these, these proverbs, of course. I wish we could go one by one and talk about each one, but uh, for the purposes of our, uh, what we're doing here, we just kind of have to do it in this way um, to, to get an overview. I hope this is, is being encouraging to you, and I hope that you see that um, what a repository of knowledge the Proverbs are. Um, it's a good uh, book to meditate on, to read um, a chapter and then meditate. It's such a good book for that because there's just there's so much there, and it really takes uh, some time to to digest it all. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope this gives you some uh, a way of kind of looking at the proverbs, of kind of 
um, setting up some categories and looking to see how these fall into that. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. Like I said, we have chapters 30 and 31 um, left. We'll have one or two more lessons, and then we'll move on to another subject. Um, but we have quite a bit here in these last two chapters to talk about, especially with um, the virtuous woman. So thank you all for your, your good attention, and I uh, hope this has been encouraging to you. We offer an invitation, as we do uh, at the end of each of our times together. So if you need the prayers of the congregation, um, if you need to um, express something that, that, that the members here, that you want, want us to pray for you, let that be known. Uh, let us pray for you. Uh, it, it's important for us to be able to do that for each other. So if you have needs, uh, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.